Hello and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. My name is Eddie. Clearly, I'm the host of the show. My cat Leo is here in the studio as I record this intro. So there's a great chance you may hear him scream or meow or do something kind of wild. The awesome thing is, is that today this this episode with Sean, it's the first time I had a guest over to my studio who is actually allergic to cats. So I really was excited about that. I was waiting for the day when one of my guests would be allergic to cats. So fortunately, he did not break out into any sort of hives. He did not have an allergic reaction. We were able to get through the conversation. His name is Sean Cowhig. Met him maybe like 14 years ago. And I, I really, I love that we get into improv, the process of acting and writing. We hear his take, obviously, on social media. This is what's so challenging, I think, for artists. And why I came up with this idea for the show is I'm not saying that one shouldn't use social media. I think it's a crucial element sometimes when it comes to getting the word out or if you have new ideas you want to share. But unfortunately, technology and social media can become so toxic. It can end up taking so much of your time away from your craft. I think instead of having face-to-face conversations or talking to people on the phone, and I think as human beings, we're meant to be around others and we're meant to talk and communicate, but Instagram and Facebook think that a DM is as meaningful as an actual conversation, and it's not. So I found it really interesting to talk to artists and musicians and yoga teachers sort of how they're handling social media. I think it's a challenging tool. And I don't think we, as human beings, really know how to wrap our minds around it sometimes. So we have a great talk about comedy, social media, writing, while he came, why he came out here. We talk about improv, sort of the difference between improv and acting class. So it's a really cool talk. And I in this strange sort of way, one thing, and I'll leave you with this. He brought up this interesting idea, or one of his friends tells him why she's using Instagram. And it's this way of creating a diary. And I've been really thinking about this concept the last few days. After and I know this sounds a little sad, and I know I have a comedian on the show, but after you die... Do you want your do you want people to look at your Instagram or are you proud of what you have up there for people to look at after you pass away? I don't know. I one of his friends refers to their Instagram as sort of their diary and I I sort of I kind of understand it, but the difference a, a diary is typically a pretty intimate very personal documentation of your life. And if Instagram is replacing that, I mean, that's quite scary in my mind because Instagram, we're, we're, we're in control and it's not intimate because we know that thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are looking at it. So clearly it's not your most, your, your most personal intimate thoughts. It's what you want people to see or think of you. So I don't know. I was just really wrapping my mind around that idea of after I die, Am I proud of what I have on my Instagram? Because let's face it, I feel like that's what 
people will get to look at of my life. I mean, sure, I'll have my closest, most intimate friends will have photos of me or documentation of my life that I have at home, but Instagram is going to be out there even after you die. And I just really thought about, huh, I don't know, that's just sort of a trippy thought to think these things that you post on Instagram are going to be there well after you're gone or until Instagram is taken down and people realize how fucked up Instagram is for our culture. So anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. I promise it's much it's much more uh, lighthearted than that thought. But I just, for whatever reason, I was thinking about it. And I think it, I was inspired by Sean's story about his friend. On a side note, Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up is amazing. I completely love it. I think it's hysterical. I I love the way Dave talks about challenging topics, makes people think, and I love how he talks about sort of quote-unquote voodoo topics that nobody wants to talk about. I think that's a huge problem with our culture right now. People are scared out of their minds to speak their mind because they're worried about offending someone, and that is one of the worst things that could possibly happen to human beings. Obviously, you don't want to be a jerk. You don't want to be mean. You don't want to hurt anybody. But people should be allowed to express themselves. So I love Dave Chappelle's new stand-up on Netflix. Highly suggest it. Very offensive, but definitely worth listening to, watching. So for this week, Sean Cowhig, he's on the show. Great conversation about comedy, being an actor, You can find him on Instagram at Sean Cowhig. As always, if you dig the show, um, if you dig the show and you want to support it, you can head over to iTunes, write a review, maybe Google, write a review, share the show with friends, talk about it. It's about creating more conversation. It's about bringing the human elements of a human being back because our culture is becoming robots. So as always, Thanks so much. I hope you dig the conversation that I had with Sean as much as I did. As always, thanks so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. You didn't record the me being naked bit? No. Oh, man. Oh now God. they'll never know. We're going to have to do that all over All right. Well, I can do it again. <laughs> I'm trained in this Oh, crap. my God. No, so basically just the funniest part of the whole uh, podcast happened. I didn't even record any of it. Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> that was that was peak? That was it. I hope so. Down the, downhill from here. I've been curious. So every time I don't tell anybody mm-hmm. that I have cats. Yeah. Not... For any reason other than, well, maybe I maybe I sort of devilish, devilishly am waiting for the day yeah. when somebody's going to be allergic to cats, uh-huh. and that's happened today. I'm here. Yeah. Are you, like, deathly allergic? I'm not deathly allergic. So the worst allergies to cats was when I was a child, my father's aunts, my great aunts, in their house, they had, like, five or six cats, all long-haired super shedders. Right. So anytime I would go in there, as soon as I sat down, then it was over. You were like wheezing? or what I was, was wheezing. I, I would touch my face because I was an idiot kid. And okay. so then my eyes would swell shut. Oh, right. Just yeah. real bad. Yeah. Real bad. But that won't happen today because I'm an adult now and I'm a little more used to it. And <laughs> you have a clean apartment. Yeah. You're, right. you're not two 70-year-old ladies. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. 
<laughs> so this is going to be challenging because I, I could be a sarcastic smartass yeah. for the whole time. Uh-huh. And, and you would happily oblige to being in that character for the next, like, because this is, I don't know if you know this, but last night I decided to make these nine hours long. Oh, wow. So we've got a lot of time to fill. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm a ham, so I can talk about yeah. me for at least seven and a half. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. Yeah. So that takes some of the pressure off. Yeah. What part of the podcast is the podcast? Are we doing the podcast yet? Um, no, actually, this is all this no, is all intro. Okay, all right. This is to relax you. <laughs> it's funny though because every time we come, people come over, they want to talk for like twenty minutes mm-hmm. before the podcast starts. Yeah, and then I press record, and they're like, "Oh, we already talked." So <laughs> I've got nothing left. Got nothing left to say. What is the latest right now, creatively speaking? Where I know I've, I've read all about Doctor God. Yeah, yeah. Is that still happening? Doctor. God's still happening. Okay. Dr. God, um, we're waiting for the next thing to happen, hmm. which feels like the state of an artist yeah. always <laughs> and forever. Right. The latest, we had a cartoon that came out on a thing called Drink TV. Okay. And Drink TV is great. They produced our show. We're psyched about it. But a lot of people don't know about Drink TV. So everybody listening, go check out Drink TV. It's Drink a, TV. Drink TV. It's an app you can download on your Roku or your Apple TV or your phone. Okay. Uh, and it's, you know, another new subscription based. Not that we don't have enough of them already. Everything is that. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not Every, Right? Yeah, completely. Oh yeah. Everything. So what separates Drink TV from the others? Drink TV is uh, paid for by BrewDog, which is a Scottish brewery company, just like the coolest dudes that run and own a brewery wanted to make content. So they paid like television producers to start a thing, to okay. start their own video. And we're quite odd, being well uh, right uh, obviously both in general yeah and the fact that we're on drink tv because most of drink tv's content is drink tv like let like me show blues? you how to make an old-fashioned okay a comedy show of like is this drunk doctor smarter than this sober regular person like oh that's kind of contest funny, show, yeah, kind of really cool stuff yeah. but uh very drink oriented and then there's our comedy cartoon where we have made the characters drink booze in order to fit into the system a little bit more. okay but we've got that out there we're hoping to get a second season of that uh, maybe have the first season licensed by something more mainstream uh, to get more eyes on it. So Dr. God is on Drink TV. Dr. God is on Drink TV with okay. a show called Helden. 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 And what's the premise of that? So the Uber apocalypse has happened. What do you uh, mean Uber apocalypse? All apocalypses have happened at once. Okay. <laughs> so the earth is destroyed. Okay. There's one house left intact. The house of Andrew, the last ni- nine-year-old boy living on earth. Okay. Uh, and he's hanging out with uh, apocalyptic characters, Fleek, a lizard, alien overlord, Betsy, humanoid, android, uh, Giantic, who is a cloud giant, and he's just a leg in the background because he's huge, okay. and Kenneth, the fifth horseman of the apocalypse. And so these guys are hanging out, and they're watching TV, kind of like Beavis and Butthead style. Right. And what they're watching on TV is uh, old cartoons that we've recut and redubbed to just be crazy. So it's got that kind of like robot chicken feel to it. Yeah, as well. yeah. Yeah. And you're you're the chicken. I'm the chicken. Actually, I play Fleek the alien. Okay. Yes. And are you a writer, creator? Oh, yeah, writer. So, like, my executive producer, Umbrella, covers all writing and production, and then I'm a series regular. We, we're, like, we're consistently trying to, like, can we make television, like, real television? Can we make 
feature films. Can we make another movie? Yeah, uh, and I think one thing that, you know, I have this love-hate relationship with about, about technology, mm-hmm. but one thing that's fantastic is there's so many avenues for creators, actors, writers yeah. to find a place for their idea mm-hmm. or their show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I never would have heard of Drink TV. Nope. Um, right. So that, in one hand, is fantastic. On the other hand, I think because there's so many, like, these companies have so much space to fill, mm-hmm. I think it's more difficult for us to find good quality stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, on one hand, if you want to do something, you can get it out there. On the other hand, why would you want to end up on a show that's available only at Chevron gas station, uh, yeah, <laughs> pump, <laughs> like that, pump that's number like, five. Yeah, I'm on pump number five at a Chevron. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, it is a two way street. Yeah. If this is too personal, you no. can tell me. But I just in, in reference with Drink TV, I think I recall you like posting some pretty personal post yeah. on Instagram. Yes. How long ago was that? I I quit drinking it's over a year and a half ago now it was like january of 2018 like right into so the about, new year yeah about a year so, yeah about a year so, 2019 was a year anniversary and here had you so i mean are you you said you quit drinking is i that, quit drinking is, is so that, i'm not so you're sober. still doing right i still smoke i smoke weed okay. and I'm, like if you were like hey i've got some mushrooms we'd be tripping on mushrooms <laughs> okay uh, I, but i just i quit drinking alcohol because it was um it's really fatty it's really <laughs> well. <laughs> I have like I've gotten skinnier since, but um, there we go. Well, that's the cocaine. Yeah, no, right? Uh, actually, the, uh, oh boy. <laughs> so what? Like what about specifically drink? Yeah, because I even was thinking when you said you quit drinking, I was thinking, wait, are you just sober? But this is sort of another way of saying it. So right. no, you just you've quit drinking. Yes. Okay. Yep. Alcohol was turning me into a person that I no longer enjoyed. Right. Uh, And I had a long time, like there was a long time of me and alcohol. We had a good relationship and it was time for us to break. Yeah. Uh, Because it was getting stale. Was Um, there something that sort of like one thing or just you noticed it's the pattern over and over again that was happening and you're just... The one thing uh, shed light on the pattern, right? Okay. Uh, And all of a sudden I woke up to uh, messages from a friend of mine telling me that I had to apologize to his girlfriend, another friend of mine. And I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I didn't know I was blacked out. But I just acted like a real idiot and said some dumb things. Yeah. And this day and age, 2019... Specifically in the circles I run in in the comedy community, I don't like. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be another person that needs to get the hell out of town because you know they're out harassing people. There was, oh my god, years ago, years ago, I went out with a couple of friends. And uh, it was him, my my buddy and his girlfriend, and they got into a fight and left, and it kind of made me sad. And we had been drinking red wine, and they left the bar, and I stayed at the bar, and I just started doing shots of liquor and got so drunk. And I was trying to flirt with these two girls, and I leaned back at one point to lean back on where I thought the bar was, Uh but the bar was not there. And I just fell over like yeah. i fell underneath the bar <laughs> and got up and the bartender was like you're right buddy and i was like i better close out and i just closed out and got the hell out of there yeah weeks later i'm going to shoot a short 
uh, with some guys that I'm working with. I get there. Another one of the actors shows up. He's like, I know you. And I'm like, oh, really? Maybe iOS, the comedy scene? He's like, no, you fell down at my bar. And I was like, oh, no. That's something you don't want to no. know. Yeah. yeah. You're hoping that he remembered you for IO Comedy West or something. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was because you fell over. Yes. But yes. isn't being from Boston... Mm-hmm. Are you allowed back there now? Yeah, no, they like <laughs> they've disowned you. They have. I, I have to like put different labels on my O'Doul's bottles and hope that they fall for it. <laughs> and to prepare for the conversation, mm-hmm. I actually watched Goodwill Hunting. Oh, right on. <laughs> I watched it a couple yeah. days ago. So I thought that would sort of get me into the, right. the zone of, uh-huh. of being a, in the room with the Bostonian. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Do you I, hate that movie? Uh no, I don't hate that movie. I don't hate that movie, but I just understand how iconic it is. And yeah. uh yeah, not everything about my life. Like, I w- I'm not from Southie. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. But did you, um, I mean, I don't want to talk about alcohol too much longer, but I was thinking th- th- there is probably this pressure, at least the, mm-hmm. the, the things that I see on television or read about, it just feels like alcohol and being a guy go hand in hand yeah. if you're from Boston. Yeah, for sure. I went through a real kind of, I don't know, almost like somebody died. Uh, where I had to like be like, I'm not drinking and like waited for a reaction. Honestly, in my head, I built it up. I built it up like I was going to get a lot of blowback. Like people were going to be like, we don't want to hang out with you anymore. Right. Like there was some kind of like persona I created that was the thing that people wanted for, from me. Like hmm. they want the court jester. And you could only do that, you felt, by being drunk? Yeah. 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 I worried that my comedy was going to slip up. I was worried about doing improv shows. But you've noticed that your comedy hasn't suffered at all. Comedy hasn't suffered at all. Okay. Honestly, the, the weirdest part is it's actually kind of happening now. In May, uh, well, middle of April, uh, like a week before my birthday in April, uh-huh. which is awesome, I, a, my girlfriend and I that I was living with broke up. Okay. So I've been single now since mid-April, but really May. It's now going out now. First of all, iOS, the comedy club that I spent like the first 14 years of my life in Los Angeles. Right. That place is closed. Okay. So I can't go there. Uh, and now when I go out and go out to bars, I don't drink. Right. So it's now I'm experiencing kind of like the, what do I do? Like, how do I talk yeah. to people? Right. I don't have that kind of like kick of alcohol that'll make you say anything to anyone at any time. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like the reason why I quit it is now coming back to bite me because I can't just walk up and say hi to people. Right. Because I lack the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so it's funny to me that normal feeling of anxiety and anticipation is completely normal and if maybe if you weren't inebriated or drinking all of those times before you probably wouldn't think anything of it now. Right. But I think we <laughs> we do so many things to sort of mask any moment of anxiety we think to ourselves, "Oh, something must be wrong. I have to fix it and take <laughs> this pill or drink this." Yeah. And but it's like everybody's anxious. You yourself uh devoid of any sort of substance or anything could just stop that voice in your head yeah. that is telling you you can't do the thing. Right. But, yeah, we don't yeah. do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I know. It's yeah. so logical. Why would we do anything so logical? Right. So talk to me about IO. Before, I want to backtrack to why yeah. you came out here and stuff, but just 
I knew you, we worked together yeah. and then you, you know, like the day job thing, yep. but I knew you, um, you, you were a bartender at IO West, uh, yeah. but before that, and explain what IO is. IO West was, uh, uh, the sister school to IO Chicago. So old comedy, if you trace comedy all the way back to Chicago, there was this dude named Del Close who was teaching out of second city and then through Second City, he took his idea of what he thought long-form improv was and created a whole comedy club off of it called IO, Improv Olympic. That's what it stood for. Right. right. Improv Olympic. But the, it was in Chicago. It was in Chicago. Okay. Uh, and then they moved and uh, they opened up a second location out here in Los Angeles, IO West on Hollywood Boulevard. And I moved out here in 2003 and it had only been around for just a couple of years. Okay. Uh, so I was in there almost from on the ground floor. Did you take class there? I started off taking class there okay. and uh, I started off with an internship running lights on Friday nights. Right. And I had a good head on my shoulders. I wasn't like super technically savvy, but I knew how to do enough things that I ended up being very good at running lights on Friday night. Okay. And that running lights on Friday night internship turned into my first L.A. job where I was running lights and sound from Thursday to Saturday night. At I.O. At I.O. Okay. And I became the quote-unquote technical director of that place. Okay, so it moved on from being an internship to actually you're being paid to do this. You're being paid to do it, yeah. Cool. Man, I was in that booth. I was in that booth for a good seven, eight years uh, before I kind of branched out, became a bartender, taught level one for a little while. I was a main stage performer. I was on House Herald teams as well as Dr. God would perform a few Saturdays a month there. Uh, and then, man, so many things happened. <laughs> right. Our boss, my friend and mentor, who was the artistic director, got fired under uh, allegations of sexual harassment. So that was incredible turmoil. The owner, Sharna Halpern from Chicago, treated the situation horribly. Yeah, unprofessionally. Unprofessionally. Yeah. Unprofessionally. That didn't help. The The wounds were band-aided, uh, but IO was hemorrhaging. It, uh, people weren't taking classes anymore. It was becoming... Um, unprofitable when sharna decided to close io she gave us 11 days notice she wow. was like close it next saturday <laughs> right it's crazy so this basically um happened because of the sexual allegations well that was like kind of the inciting well, that incident was the starting where that, point. Kind of, that was a starting point and in we're gonna notice like it's the starting point for all of the term turnover that's happening in the comedy world right now. UCB's closing locations. What's UCB? Uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Okay. So Upright Citizens Brigade uh, is a group of improvisers that came out of I.O. in Chicago, started a theater in New York, opened two locations in New York, opened two locations out in L.A. They're closing their New York locations. We'll see how long they can last here in Los Angeles. Why, so why did they close? And it's interesting, I... I have a friend who was at the Laugh Factory a couple of months ago. He was actually on the show, and I, I felt really inspired. Um, and I actually feel like I should, once I finish writing my book, I want to try some stand-up mm -hmm. just for the hell of it. But yeah. that place was packed when I was there. Yeah. So what's going on there that's not going – Or what? Yeah, the world of stand-up um, was just built differently than the world of improv. Okay. The world of improv, unfortunately, was built on top of unpaid labor. Okay. I, I would remember, I teach at an acting conservatory. I teach improv at an acting conservatory, and it's a wonderful job. And every time uh, a student or a former student would come to I.O. to see a Dr. God show, 
they'd be impressed and uh, then we'd have a conversation after. And if they got up the nerve, they'd be like, hey, can I ask just maybe, you know, maybe planning for your future? How much did you just get paid for that show? I was like, oh, we don't get paid. Yeah. And that's it. So improv schools. Well, there's a school and people are paying for the schooling. They're paying for their education. Right. And then they're moving into performance and no performer gets paid. So it was just the theater is built on unpaid labor. Why is improv so valuable to learn as an actor, as a stand-up comedian? I feel like, cause I have friends that are actors and right. a lot of them have talked about IO. Why is, what is that? What does that train the brain or how is it useful? Every acting class I've taken since learning improv, the idea of listening and reacting line to line in the moment is so much easier because of improv. The idea of being present and listening to the thing that you're saying and reacting to it in the moment, even when I know I have lines, I have specific lines I have to say. Right. Still the emotional reaction and the emotional journey, improv is there to help you through it. Improv has helped me just with line retention, just not being terrified of having lines because I know I can do it without lines. Right. So once a script comes in, I'm kind of like, okay, well, this is icing on the cake. I'll learn these lines and I'll be comfortable on stage because I can improvise. Will the director beforehand tell you that there is room for improv- improvisation here? Or? Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. And uh, a lot of directors, I've heard directors that use improv like before takes, like improv to develop your character. Okay. Like we'll improvise as these characters for a bunch and then put that aside and go back to the script. But now like you've developed your relationship through improv. There are a lot of directors that do like strict takes and then one at the end for like, hey, that's for you. But improv training is going to help you in the moment create that extra line that hopefully will get into whatever you're producing. Yeah. Uh. It's it's funny because I've always been sarcastic mm-hmm. and I feel... And it feeds off of something I hear at dinner and somehow my brain thinks of something and then I say it and, you know, most of the time it's funny. Yeah. But I always feel like that's something that can't be taught. I always felt like it's something that can't be taught. Yeah. But maybe it can be. I think it can be strengthened. But, like, you'll certainly notice in, like, the first week of a of a level one class, like, who kind of has the thing and right. who doesn't have the thing. Yeah. But I feel like that's... That's it with all art, right? Yeah, I guess, Some, like, but it's interesting. Yeah. You know, when I think of like writing a song mm-hmm. or having a good voice, it's so interesting. It's almost like you you see it, yeah, or you can hear it. But being good at improv, it's sort of it's almost like it's it's being quick witted or having a brain that somehow functions in this way, right. and it's not like you can see the the um the results on the page yeah you you just kind of have to yeah you just sort of have something that isn't quite really there right but it's there yeah yeah and i guess i should say it's not like all like i think there are lots of aspects of arts that for instance you're right somebody can be trained to sing 
right? And then you either have a good voice or you don't have a good voice. Right. But then whether you have that good voice or not, like stage presence is a whole nother thing oh, that sure. comes into this, yeah. right? And so that's another unteachable. How do I teach you stage presence? How do I teach you to be comfortable in front of people? Right. I don't know how to do that. I guess maybe it, that's the other thing I think about is you just get better by doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I think um, some, th- and that's where I think improv though, you know, things don't go the way you want right. on stage. Yeah. I mean, I went to this, this routine, I saw my buddy and the person after him, it was just his ability to just say things off of responses it blew me away. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure he's gotten better with it over time, but I also had the sense that he sort of has always been pretty quick witted. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's the improv thing. That's right. the one, like, do you have that or do you not have that? Right. Cause that's really hard to teach. So did you want to, did you do improv and take these classes to be a comedian or to become a, a better writer or to become a better actor? I mean, what was sort of your reason for doing it? I started improv in college okay, because I was at Emerson and I was in the acting program and it was heavy. <laughs> what do <laughs> you mean? It was heavy, man. So my sophomore year when I got on to This Is Pathetic. So I got on to This Is Pathetic was the name of the all improv <laughs> okay. comedy group. At so the wait, time. this is at Emerson. This is at Emerson. Where's Emerson? Emerson's in Boston. And That's Emerson right. now has a huge building on Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Out here in LA. So I, you can go in there and watch all the Red Sox games. I could just go and be like, <laughs> what's going on in here, guys? Hey. Um, so Emerson. So I'm at Emerson. Uh, so, uh, we're doing Acting 2 Ensemble. We're doing a play called The People versus Ranchman, and I'm playing Ranchman. And Ranchman is a rapist, and the whole play is about the trial of this rapist. And basically, the way the play goes is there's Ranchman who's on trial. There's like a judge character and a lawyer character, and then there's like two sides of like the like there's the the Burnham crowd and there's the like save him crowd. So right. like there's a, a like an ensemble of actors that think I'm the devil, sure. and there's an ensemble of actors that think I'm the Messiah. Right. And I'm put on trial for my rape. I'm (laughs) executed like two times during the show and then come back to life, as well as there are flashbacks to all of my rape scenes where I rape a single woman, uh, two sisters, and like just a young boy. Um, So it's it's a comedy. (laughs) It's a comedy. It was like an uplifting (laughs) rom-com, a real romp. Uh, (laughs) Lots of romping going on. But like, holy shit. So I'm doing this play and like after every acting two ensemble class, rehearsal for this show I'd go into my dorm and just cry sure <laughs> in a fetal position yeah, no wonder you started drinking <laughs> yeah, <I was laughs> it like, all makes sense it's like I need to funnel 15 Miller lights quick it's um, this damn place fault oh my god but uh I, I needed a release yeah and I found improv uh, like there it's still there Emerson at Emerson was it yeah. a course or what Emerson had four comedy groups okay um and one of them was an all improv comedy group this is pathetic right and I auditioned for and got onto that comedy group and I started doing improv wow and we sucked <laughs> What do you mean? Like, oh. uh, we used to, we read a book called The Truth and Comedy, which is Del Close's handbook about Harold, okay. like the mothership improv form. Okay. So we read a book about a form and then we tried to do it. 
Oh, that must have been terrible. Oh, terrible. Yeah. And we, so then we got the school to fund a field trip for us to go to New York and study at UCB, at the okay. Upright Citizens, Citizens Brigade. And we went into a workshop and the workshop instructor was like, you guys just read The Truth and Comedy and you're doing Heralds? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, but you never took classes and we're like no we haven't taken any classes yet we just read the book and we're doing it and he's like mm, that's kind of dangerous and we were like no we're pretty good at this and he's like okay why don't you just show me one and then we proceeded to do just the worst piece of shit show yeah uh and uh he was when we finished he was like okay and he just put his notebook down he's like i'm not going to give you those notes because they're all mean instead i'm just going to teach you how to improvise <laughs> oh, great. okay you're like thanks a lot yeah thanks guy uh but no he was right we were bad uh but we learned a lot from those workshops then we went back and took another one we got a lot better or right. stronger i should say what's interesting i was thinking about like jim carrey yeah or adam sandler doing punch drunk love uh-huh and there's another oh steve carell yeah he's been doing he just did that um a beautiful boy where this where his son is a drug addict it's have you seen it no i haven't it's seen an, it's amazing yeah. or he's oh. actually he might be a drug i don't know if he's a drug addict or alcoholic i forget powerful yeah. movie it's yeah. called a beautiful boy it's based on a nick chef book mm-hmm. um and jim steve carell plays the father so i was thinking you know, you were, I almost, I'm curious if there's this strange similarity or some sort of access point for actors, because it feels like some of the great comedic actors are able to do drama really well. Yeah. Is there, what's, am I, I don't know. My Or that, even Robert De Niro, yeah. like doing Meet the pa- I'm just, right. it's interesting. Right, yeah, yeah. Um. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think there is something dark in funny people that if they can access it, it can be really powerful. Yeah. My teachers at Emerson, as I was like pulling away from the drama department uh, and take doing more and more improv, doing more and more improv shows and comedy shows, were like, okay, but like you're not funny. And I was like, what? And they're like, you're funny. Like you do comedy because it's easy, but you're you're not a comedic actor. You're just not. And I was like, okay. And now, like that, I was 20 then, and I'm 38 now, and I'm really starting to agree with them now. I'm like, huh. oh, oh, they're right. They were right. And now I've started doing more plays uh, and looking to kind of expand what I do in the acting world into more dramatic roles or villains. I want to play bad guys. I think that's like right. my where I'm going to fit in. Because I've got kind of crazy eyes. <laughs> you do, actually, a yeah. little bit. You remind me of the guy, Ben Foster. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you know what I'm uh, talking about? Yeah, I totally he's know. He's great. He is great. Yeah. 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 He's got, he certainly has crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah he's good. Yeah. So before Emerson, yeah. were you just thinking about sports and then you went to college and then you like had to pick something to major in? Or were you sort of into acting as a kid? Because acting yeah. is sort of that weird thing, you know, where you don't have any, you know, if you play guitar, you, got, you go out and buy a guitar mm-hmm. and you play guitar. Mm-hmm. But when you're an actor, 
you don't really have a way to sort of practice or be a goofball unless, yeah. you know, mom or dad has sort of a camera and you, and you yeah. just like hog up all the photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, it was that. It was that. <laughs> so like we had a, a camera. We were, I was filming a lot onto a mini DV tapes okay. or uh, the, the, the old tapes, like the, the fatter ones that went in, like you put it into a thing that looked like a VHS tape and closed it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I still have one of those. Yeah, that was, I love that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the best. Me and some friends would go around town and like film murder mysteries or like cop shows. Right. And that was a lot of fun. And even I can even remember before that, I just had a tape recorder and like I would do like radio shows by myself. Like I'd build a fort in the couch and that would be like my radio booth. Okay. Uh, right? And what were you, how are you even aware of, of like what radio shows were? Oh, uh, because. When I was a kid, I was born in Beverly, Massachusetts. Both of my parents had to go right back to work after I was born. And they worked in Revere. So about a half hour away from Beverly. So we would all pack up in the car. And my sister, I have an older sister. She was already getting ready to to go. And uh, we would... So I'm a baby being dropped off at my grandmother's house. She's going to kindergarten uh, or preschool. And then eventually I'm going to preschool, kindergarten at school systems in Revere. So basically what I'm trying to say is every morning would wake up in Beverly, would have breakfast, would all pack into the car and drive to Revere. Right. And the radio would be the blasting. The radio would be blasting. Yeah. And so that's me understanding, like listening to, you know, uh, what's his name? Who did the, the countdown that was also the Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. So yeah. listening to Casey Kasem's voice and then like hearing how he talks and doing his countdowns, that was like the earliest radio memories I have of like, ah, a voice talking about things. Right. I uh, can do that. Right. <laughs> so you actually felt that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then were people noticing that you were sort of into this whole thing? Uh, yeah, I think my parents kind of got wind of it. I, I was doing like some talent shows, like we would like, or like the school talent, like middle school, the talent show. I think we just did a Wayne's World sketch, okay. which basically was just us recreating the car scene where they listened to Bohemian sure. Rhapsody yeah. from Wayne's World. So that was that. So like I'm performing. They, uh, my parents raised me Catholic and very young. I was like, I need to get involved in this. So I became an altar boy because that was the way that mass was more interesting for me was if I was up on the stage doing the thing with the other actors. Right. Eventually I was playing sports in high school, but I gave up varsity basketball to do the one act play. And What's the one act play? So, oh, the one act, we had a one act festival in Massachusetts. So, wait, I'm curious though. You could have been on the team, or you just would have been you, on varsity. You, you fail, or you cut, you were cut, or no, something. no, no, no. So, no. you had to make a decision between yeah. the play and basketball. That was like my junior year. I was on varsity basketball. So, my senior year, I would have been on varsity basketball. So, again. why could why couldn't you have done both? Or? Because they happened at the same time. Wow, so that was probably a big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> my mom didn't know what I was doing. She yeah. thought I was making a mistake. Right. The varsity basketball coach went up to the one act play director and was like so what's the deal with sean if you you like (laughs) did you brainwash him no no. it was crazy i just (laughs) yeah he he wanted to know if like i legitimately had a a shot at a career in acting as if like i would have had a shot at a career in basketball had i been on clearly right yeah what are we talking about my mom, who was like, how do you know you're even going to get a part? I was just like, no, mom, I'm going to get the lead and I'll win awards. And I was right. 
Wow. I proved my mom wrong. So you got the lead. I got the lead. And, and you I won, won award. awards. What yeah. awards did you win? So uh, the One Act Festival is a competition. So okay. like there's regionals and then states and then nationals and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't get, what did we do? Districts and then regionals maybe it was. Because we went through two rounds. We didn't get to states. But each round we were at, I won the Best Actor Award. Okay. So it's like if it was an Oscar I would have been Tom Hanks. So it's award winner Sean <laughs> yeah. Howick. Yeah, it would have been Tom Hanks from what? Philadelphia to Forest Right. Hill. Act one award winner yeah. Sean Cowhig. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So that obviously made you feel like this is something I need to keep doing. Yeah, I should do yes. this. I should do this. Uh, and in addition wow. to that, I started doing um, summer stock shows. So I was doing like outdoor Shakespeare full plays from like age 19 on. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Age 19, I was uh, Andrew Aguecheek in Twelfth Night with like all everybody else in the cast was like over 30. And then it was just a 19-year-old. Yeah. It was badass. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. So what made you decide to come out to L.A.? I think the wrong thing. Well, because you go to college and you keep acting. Keep acting. And it's going pretty well. Yeah, it's going well. I I didn't focus enough. College was weird. I had a rough time in college. Um, I had a time in college. It's funny to teach at an acting conservatory now and see um, people that were in similar boats uh to me and and i really wish somebody had told me to stop i should have stopped stopped what i should have taken some time off of college so i start college uh i'm at emerson i'm in boston and like i don't know a few months into school one of my best friends from high school passes away he dies brian mckenzie dies and it was horrifying and that whole experience like i was a pallbearer at his funeral it was just it was life changing. And I just kind of like put my head down and powered through it and just like went right back into college and doing stuff. And I think it just kind of, I think I was bleeding everywhere and I didn't take any time to heal up before I started doing something else that's very hard. Hmm. And what I relate that to now is like teaching at the conservatory, I see it happen. I see students that are dealing with trauma that are further frustrating their trauma by pushing to an art form that deals in trauma. You know what I mean? Like as much as, as much as you're playing a part, you're using your real emotions. So if you're really, really internally messed up, that mess is going to pour out of you. And that can be scary and dangerous. If I could go back in time, I would encourage young me to take a minute and get in a different kind of headspace before trying to just operate in an acting program. Right. Because I guess it does sort of bring up all the good and all the bad in a really raw sort of way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. How did he pass away? Uh, he, Brian was, um, he was like larger than life. He had heart problems because he was a really, really big boy. He was just, he grew too fast. Yeah. And his heart was gigantic. And he would like, he, he had a pacemaker put in when we were like, 14 yeah uh and so he was at a punk rock concert he went to america university in washington dc and he was at a punk rock concert having the best time and his it, his heart just stopped wow yeah yeah and you were you were how old when this happened oh 
18, 19. Okay, so you're in college. Yeah. Just started. I'm in college. Just started. Yeah. It was it was it was awful because we said goodbye to each other. He went to Washington. I went to Emerson. We spent our last night in in our town together, uh, driving around being bad kids. Yeah. The, our last stop was oh my god. We went to um, we went to a CVS, and we walked around the CVS separate from each other and like bought a card and pens <laughs> and then like filled up cards to each other together in my car and then exchanged them <laughs> and then I dropped him off and that was the last time I saw him he sent me an email like the first email I ever got to like my Emerson College email address uh saying that like hey you thought you weren't going to see me till Thanksgiving but I'm coming home for my favorite holiday Halloween but we never got there oh wow so I just had that email for a while. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, um, life is incredibly fragile. Yeah. And I think you learn about that more and more as you go on. So you just have to cherish it, you know? Take somebody to a CVS, walk <laughs> around, buy a card, fill it out to them in your car and exchange it, because you never know. Right. <laughs> well, you know... I think you're bringing up some interesting stuff. Yeah. Just this whole idea of you sent an email, like your first email yeah. then. Yeah. And that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And I talk about technology and the effect it's having because I think it's rewired our culture mm -hmm. so deeply I'll often even think tragically because we don't know what to believe and our priorities are completely out of whack. Mm -hmm. We place value on things that don't really matter. Yeah. And I am just sort of curious, how how has your relationship with technology shifted over the years? And And I mean, it was obviously admirable of you to post something 18, 20 months ago yeah. where you said something like, you know, I'm not drinking anymore. And, you know, there are moments where it can be really powerful and people share things and, and it quote unquote promises connection. But I, in this weird sort of way, I feel like it's ultimately creating more chaos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's just, you know, try to explain yeah. If you can, sort of your first experience with the internet and Facebook and Instagram and then how you're using it now and emotionally, yeah. emotionally how you're impacted by it all. You know, I, I, I wanted to bring this into you because it was funny. The other day I was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine um, and I was like, do you keep a diary? And she was like, no. Oh, but Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And then like we kind of like thought on that for a minute. And it's not totally off that like Instagram is almost your your photographic diary that it's like your memories and things that are personal, but it's really inside out, isn't it? Because like a diary was a thing that you kept and you were able to keep it and you kept it close to home. Right. And nobody saw and it. Nobody saw it. And if somebody did see it, they were invading your privacy and now we have this thing that we just show out to the world, hoping that it attracts more people to look at it. Well, the, the, that's a great example. I'm thinking, though, there's an intimacy 
there's such a personal quality to the diary and yeah. you're and there's a reason why they're often locked and you don't show them because you're sharing your deepest right. most innermost thoughts that you don't really want anybody to know. Yeah. Yeah. And in this weird sort of way I'm thinking how can that possibly compare to Instagram because although because you really are putting out there not your innermost thoughts, you're putting out there what you hope people will like. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're dying for people to like it more. So maybe the diary's not the... the no, I, I can the, see, though, why right. she would bring yeah. that up as sort of an example, but it's it's kind of... Um, it, it doesn't make... It doesn't quite go work hand in hand. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I play that game. I, I, play, I certainly play the Instagram game looking to figure out a way to generate more followers and then walk away from it wondering why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it ends up feeling sort of exhausting and yeah. shallow. And yeah, I certainly understand though, because it feels as though everybody is having the time of their life on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you feel as though you need to, as an actor, do you feel like you should be, what should, what do you think you should be doing with it? I know. So I know <laughs> that for certain entities, whether it be casting directors, directors, producers, uh, if it comes down to me and one other actor for a part in something, there's a good chance they'll go to our social media pages and see which person has more followers. And we'll choose the person with more followers thinking that, it's a better option for them because it will get more eyes on the thing that they're producing. Do they know that a lot of people buy followers? Probably, but that's fine. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Because it's still, it's just more of a buzz, right? Right. And so on one hand, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because you've robbed me from the, the craft that I've been working on for my entire life now. Right. Uh, you've You've taken it out of any sort of realm of something I can control in the actual audition process to something outside of the work that I'm going to do for you on the set and in the room. Right. Um, and then on the other hand, it's a shrewd business move because you're not wrong. You're right. not wrong. Yeah. If I'm here and I have 1,000 followers and other dudes over there and he has 100,000 followers, them posting about the guest spot on your show is going to get more eyes on that episode. You're just not wrong. Yeah, but I'm also thinking... This is partly maybe a reaction to somehow Netflix and all the content. And I feel like companies have less budget to spend on marketing or maybe on less budget on something. And so they choose advertising and marketing. That's often sort of the last piece of the pie when it comes to a company's Mm -hmm. um, expenditures. And so maybe they're thinking, well, since we don't have as much money in marketing, we need to maybe balance that out by choosing the person that has a hundred thousand followers, but this person yeah. may be a worse actor. Sure. Could be, but it didn't seem to matter. Like, like Instagram influencers are a thing. People are looking for uh, content for Instagram influencers. You think about the age of vine. I've definitely heard or like seen breakdowns asking for like, we need uh, some kind of content for five vine celebrities. Right. And it's crazy. It's just our society as a whole has kind of shifted. Why why would why would somebody 
that is able to make like a 10 second funny thing on an app on my phone be a wise choice for a, something that I'm going to watch a half hour to an hour of on television. On a huge screen. On a huge screen. It doesn't make any sense. In this weird sort of way, I feel like, I don't know if movie theaters are going to be around in 10 years. It, right? I don't know. Other than maybe in Los Angeles, because the business is out here. But I feel like people are primarily going to be watching all of their content on their phone. Do, yeah. And like in terms of movie theaters, does it seem like anything's mattered that didn't have Marvel Cinematic Universe attached to it? Other than Quentin Tarantino's movie that right. just came out. I mean, I even looked in the paper or online like this last week and a couple months ago. There was nothing that I wanted to see yeah. or at least a movie like Mission Impossible last summer where I felt yeah. as though I had to see it in the theater because you, you want that big picture experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. No, you know, we don't think about, or I think society doesn't think about the repercussions of Spotify and Napster and Netflix and Hulu yeah. and all these resources where people go to to get free content or even $10 a month on Netflix. Yeah. I, I do think all of that is affecting the creative, the creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, Sometimes I, I really do think about it, and it, it makes me really sad that I feel like the 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 idea of the classic actor is dying. The idea of like guys like De Niro or Pacino, people that were like that was definitely a stage actor that came to do TV and film. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's what I thought I was doing. I I chose L.A. over New York, thinking like. I'm classically trained in theater, and now I will go to Los Angeles and be in TV and film. And I kind of got just wrapped up and <laughs> bullshitting around at a comedy club for yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and now here I am wanting to get back to that like classical acting. Do some plays, but where? Where in LA can you do a play that anybody cares about a lot? Like where? Where can you do that unless you're kind of already famous? I often feel like I'm caught up in a world of like, we're looking just for Instagram influencers. Yeah, no, I, I, I really believe, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people like to think about yeah. or quite understand how Instagram controls so much now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because you and I sort of, you know, I'm older than you, but still you mm. did know the world before Instagram and yeah. cell phone usage. Yeah. And I mean, when you're around your friends and you're out it, i mean do people constantly just talk about and think about and post their lives on instagram yeah some of the last few times i was out which is interesting cuz this ties into um me and not drinking and feeling out of place when i'm out <laughs> yeah. trying to meet women um right. i was at good times uh, at davy wayne's and I was trying to dance with like a couple of my buddies, hoping that it would turn into my buddies and some some women sure, dancing sure. all together. And if not, you and would have been okay. If not, I'm just dancing <laughs> with my buddies. Whatever, man. Sometimes I just need to dance for me. Um, and uh, a group came in, and this one guy was just videoing the whole thing. And you got to know that that's like either his story or his Instagram live. But then. There, like, it turned around and it's on me and it, like, froze there and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I'm just on camera and it's like, on one hand, that's really interesting. That's almost cool in a way that, like, 
now he can reach an audience of people to be like, look what I'm doing. On the other hand, that's terrifying because now I've become part of your story. And right. like, now who the hell is looking now? Somebody might see that I'm here. That's crazy. Right. And um, then, and then what I think to myself often, why does anybody give a rat's ass what this guy is doing? Instagram gives people the impression yeah. that their life is worth reporting for the world. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, why do we really care? Tell me about the the radio show you're doing right now. Uh, So uh, my show is called The Way Highway, uh, and it um, airs on, we record it, and then it airs, quote unquote, live on Adobe on Thursdays at 4 Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. What's Uh, Adobe? Adobe is uh, an online radio station. So if you go to adobe.com or download the Adobe app, Adobe is always playing something. Uh, they specialize in like kind of like indie punk music. Okay. Uh, so if a talk show isn't playing, they'll be playing some kind of like rock and roll, punk rock, indie rock, indie punk rock. Okay. Uh, and then they have a lot of different shows. Um, what's the name of your show again? The Way Highway. The, and what's it about? Uh, it's like a cannabis comedy show. So okay. we have like comedy guests, industry guests, whether it be entertainment industry or cannabis industry. Uh, and then I always do some kind of a product review at the top uh, with some kind of cannabis product, whether it be like a THC thing, like a weed thing, like a getting high thing or a CBD thing, like a healing thing, um, you know, uh, really where the revolution in in the cannabis culture is coming is with the CBD because CBD is going to be the thing that with more research will hopefully help a lot with cancer patients, help a lot with um the elderly with pain management with uh, inf- uh, anti-inflammatory like do you seasons. believe it it works i do i, I truly truly do okay. and it's different for a lot of different people but i have i've seen um cbd work for older people that they're just trying to deal with arthritis pain right right uh and sometimes it's CBD with a little bit of THC in it that really helps with the pain management. And um, THC is just what's found in marijuana that's, that's yeah. not in CBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So THC and CBD are the two different like uh, terpenes, like the thing that the chemicals working in marijuana. Right. Uh, and now, you know, we're living in the future. So it, like my, my jam is all extracts, like the oil extract. I, I, I don't really smoke true leaf marijuana anymore almost at all i'm usually using a vape pen or some kind of edible a tincture i take cbd pills in the morning sometimes just to help with uh anxiety and depression just right. mood stabilization sure you're you're taking some right now i'm, I'm on some now man <laughs> no wonder you've been so yeah open and outgoing thank god for the cbd right do you, what's your do you feel as though you should be posting more i mean you post about your radio show right. do you feel like you should be creating your own content i mean i have a friend who's a stand-up comedian and he posts these these videos they make at home mm-hmm. every couple of days because i i think that's sort of knowing that or i mean maybe that's what dr god is is sort of satisfying or filling that space but do you feel as though you should be creating content on your own and yeah. posting it or what, what probably you, I, you know what it's funny because it, it all relates I'm in this like exennial like generation right. where uh, I didn't have a cell phone till after college. Like I moved to LA and then I got a cell phone. 
I moved to LA. I didn't really have uh, a computer. Like I didn't have a smartphone. Uh, the smartphones came later. I like remember MySpace. It like took a while before I had a Facebook page. Right. Like the technology. Like I'm, I'm still slowly getting used to it. And it's similar to Dr. God when we were like, let's make comedy shorts. And one of the first shorts we made was, it was called The Story of Santa. And it was like one of the first I things. I actually watched it last night. Do you watch The Story of I Santa did. last it's night? good, yeah. Like Matthew Lillard is directing The Story of Santa. It's like one of the first things Matt directed on film. And like he's in it. And we made this like eight minute long uh, comedy short and put it on Funny or Die. Right. And it did terribly. Yeah. Because that's not what the internet wants. Okay. <laughs> that is not the attention span of the internet. Yeah, it was too long. It was too long. Right. An eight-minute uh, comedy short is a damn short film at this point. <laughs> right. right, yeah, yeah. Funny or Die was about one-minute and 20-second videos of Will Ferrell interacting with a three-year-old. Right. Like, that's it. Yeah. So I've always been a little bit off on what I'm supposed to do with technology. Like, I know that I'm supposed to have more followers. And I know <laughs> that more followers will help. And I know that, like, hey, the way highway is awesome. Is the way highway the end-all, be-all of the thing I want to do with cannabis? No. I feel like the way highway is, like, a step towards me trying to figure out how to do a, a cannabis travel show. Uh, David tells Insomniac... Like that show, but okay. with weed, where you go to the places where it's legal and you get high and you look at art and you're um, emotionally moved and you show the rest of the world that and you continue uh, to undemonize cannabis. Right. Right. I mean, that might be partly why I created a podcast mm. in the sense that I wanted to create something besides social media that yeah. I could use to sort of inspire me and let people sort of hear my perspective. Cause I'm, you know, I want to do more, I'm a, I'm writing a book and I want to write another book. And, yeah. but I, I don't think followers worrying about that is, is helpful. Yeah. But in, yeah. in, you know, but you brought up, but maybe the podcast or your radio show will eventually lead to more followers. Right. But I feel like people are because they're they're not thinking about a podcast or a radio show, they're thinking I should take off my clothes or be ridiculous to then get more followers. Right. But maybe because we're not like that type of person that resorts to taking off our clothes, we're then thinking of sort of another thing to do to be interesting. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm confused by it all. Yeah. It's a blender. Like it truly is a blender because like the thing that I want at the end of the tunnel is like wrapped up in all of this. That's the conundrum we're in though. Right. I really believe it's kind of too bad that companies it, it's not about the quality of the content anymore. No. It's more about how easily this is going to make us money. Mm -hmm. And they're associating, instead of talent with making money, they're associating the numbers on a social media platform yeah. with making money. Yeah. Do you have like any followers, not followers, do you have friends or, who are sort of getting some steam from Instagram or getting some headway through it? Or are you all sort of confused by it all? Or? For the most part, I think we're all sort of confused by it and live in varying stages of, of like what we do and how many people know what we do. And, you know, my friends that are like 
writers on shows or showrunners on shows or actors on shows exponentially have more followers depending on how much more exposure they have out in the world. Right. But it doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything unique. I'm sure you had a vision of your life when yeah. you came out here back then. Is it close to it now? And then what, what ultimately would you like to be doing in the next year, ideally in a perfect world? I moved out here for the wrong reasons. Oh, that's right. You were talking about that. Well, what do you mean? I moved out here to be famous. Like, I moved out okay. here to be a movie star. Like, that's, that's truly the idea. And I, I, I remember uh, I worked in a TGI Fridays in Boston before I moved out here. And, like, this kid had, like, this, like, I don't know, it was like a fortune-telling book. And, like, he was like, ask the book a question. And I asked it, will I be famous? And the answer was no. It was like, wow. no, but at a certain point it won't matter anymore. And, like, I think about that sometimes because I actually think about that, like, a lot because it was really true. Because now at this point, oh, God, the heck with being famous. That idea of, like, being famous, it just seems like such a torment. And... I just want to work. Like, I just want to make art. And it took a while to truly understand what that means. Right. That, like, it's not about being famous or being a movie star. It's just about can you make a living wage doing the thing that makes you the most happy? Right. So I understand that maybe the reason why I moved out here was bullshit. And I've kind of adjusted that. On the good end, there are things that I've done that I could tell young me that would really pump young me up. Like I executive produced a cartoon and that's crazy. And yeah. I don't think that Sean moving out to LA to be famous would have ever thought that he would have produced a cartoon. I wrote a feature film like Bloodsucking Bastards is a movie that I wrote with the rest of Dr. God. Yes. But like my name is on it. I am DB credit for that. I, I don't think telling Sean driving out to Los Angeles to be famous. I don't think I, if I told him, hey, you're going to write a movie, right? But the other problem is young Sean probably would hear these credits and be like, oh, good that I'm going to be famous. Right. Young Sean wouldn't understand that, like, it's, it's still not about that, buddy. Well, this idea of success is so, it's so much, it's so different for everybody. And, yeah. and I think as people expect, you know, if you're not famous, then you're not a successful artist. Right. And that's just silly. It's terribly silly. I mean, I think we all have to give ourselves a little bit of slack. Mm -hmm. And as you said, I mean, writing a script, producing a show, having your own radio show, I mean, those are all success stories. Mm -hmm. And they're all really hard to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, I, I do think sort of, I, I do think because everybody looks like they have everything figured out all the time, it creates this sort of world of insecurity in people's heads. Yeah, yeah. And the reality is, is that you've done something that a hell of a lot of people will never do creatively. Yeah. And life's not a poker hand, right? Right. So like, there's not, I, it's not, I have two pair and then somebody who has, you know, a bunch of TV credits has a full house. We're both people with problems. Right. Right. Yeah. We're all, we're all kind of fighting the same uphill battle, just trying to deal with the fact that life is hard. Have you ever thought about doing stand up? I have here and there because I right. do consider myself a funny person. I just don't know how that works into 
an eight minute routine that I do in front of people. Right. That isn't just me. I mean, I could do a tight eight on just shitting on bird scooters. Cause God, do I hate those things. Oh, those things are the worst, man. <laughs> oh my God. Those things are <laughs> hell on wheels. Yeah. 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 It's a mess. It's they're a menace. It's a mess. People and, riding on the wrong side of the road. Oh my leave, God. Leaving them all over the place. Oh they're on God. the sidewalks. Yeah. They run into I've been hit by them oh. a couple times. Oh. On foot or in your car? On foot. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the they worst. They have bells on them now. They're up on the sidewalk, like ching, 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 no trying way. to get you to get out of the way. That happened to me. I was in downtown oh for some God. reason. It's just a mess. They are the worst oh, thing like, ever. Yeah. 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 Hate them. Oh. That's awesome. No, because I feel like, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, you're a hater. You're just complaining. Those things oh, suck. They, they really are. Yeah. It's the bane of our existence. It's like, like every time I live in uh, above Franklin Village. So, okay. like, most of the things I have to do, I have to somehow cross Hollywood Boulevard right. to get south. Yeah. And Hollywood is like a post-apocalyptic bird scooter mess. Yeah. They're everywhere. Just strewn about that's the thing they're just left everywhere and it, it looks terrible <laughs> and then those little bicycles now yeah. are all over the place oh, it's, it's just terrible my god and i don't i hate to say this but but somebody in cleveland apparently my hometown uh-huh. they were in cleveland yeah and then a friend of mine told me a story where this within a few days a woman was on on her bird she fell and her head got smushed by a car. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Like, drove right over her. Yeah. And they took him away. Yeah. And I, I'm amazed that this doesn't happen every other day out here. Or maybe yeah. it does. Maybe it does, we just don't <laughs> we know. We just don't know the about companies it. are hiding it. Yeah. I'm amazed I haven't seen one, like, z- zigging and zagging between cars on the 405 <laughs> yeah. in traffic. Like, just, because be that's awesome. it, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. where we that's are now. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> so happy you brought that up. Yeah. Because I could, I have, a, I put, recorded a podcast maybe <laughs> six months ago about how much I hate bird scooters. I love it. And now there's, there's um, the, the Lime yep. thing. Uh, Uber has one. Yep. Lyft has one. Yep. And they're just splattered all over the sidewalk. Man. And the, the great thing is, is that they say on it, no riding on sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody's riding on the sidewalk. So um, where can people find you now? You can. Uh, so at Sean Cowig, S-E-A-N-C-O-W-H-I-G on right. like on any every social. Platform. And every platform. On YouPorn. Uh, on YouPorn. YouTube. YouPorn. And then uh, Dr. God. Dr. God. Dr. God comedy.com. You could go to SeanCowig.com. Check out my website. Uh, check out Dr. God's website. Bloodsucking Bastards, the film we made, is on Amazon Prime. Oh, that's cool. And then Helden is on Drink TV. Wow. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, can't say too much about uh, too much about it right now, but hopefully it will be coming to an easier, uh, a, a more mainstream, accessible platform right. for y'all. Right. Yeah. Well, Sean. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> the Downward Facing Spiritual yeah. Spiral Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. It was really great to catch up with you. In this weird sort of way, this I don't want this to sound morose, uh-huh. but there's this movie called The Weatherman, uh-huh. and it's with Nicolas Cage and Michael Caine. Yeah. And Michael Caine comes up with this idea, because uh, I guess he's going to die. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, I know this is going to come out really sad, right? but it's not meant to be. <laughs> but so he has a funeral before he dies, because uh-huh. he wants to be there for his own funeral. Yeah. And... I have this weird, like, obviously I don't have plan on dying anytime soon, but the podcast is sort of 
brought people into my life that I never would have met or seen before. And it's just awesome to reconnect and see them again yeah. before I die. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully that won't happen tomorrow. <laughs> but no, it's just nice to like, and this is the cool thing. You know, people think about Instagram being there. After, I wonder if people will look at my Instagram after I die. Yeah. I know it's really heavy, but I have thought about that. And so I think, well, hopefully people after I die will go to listen to my music or they'll listen to my podcast. Yeah. So like to me, that's much more interesting than just staring at stupid photos on Instagram. Yeah. So in this weird, morose sort of way, uh, I'm happy that you're here. It was great to reconnect. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm insane. But no, but I, I was sort of thinking about that movie um, uh, like the last month, like, huh, I just, I, I liked how Michael Caine had this idea. It's kind of a dark comedy with Nicolas yeah. Cage. I, actually, I suggested it. it's a good movie. Oh, wow. But it's just the idea of like, why should I have a funeral and I'm not, like, all these people are celebrating me and yeah. I'm not even there. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to have one before I go and, and it, it, he has a great time and anyway. That's beautiful. <laughs> I know, That's right? Beautiful. So we should all yeah. do that. We should, that should do sort that. Of, like, we should add that to our sort of repertoire or sort of the things that we do yeah celebrate your life celebrate your life before you're gone yeah <laughs> i mean geez so anyway sean thanks for being a part of the show thank you and uh it was really cool that you took the time <laughs> say thanks again thank you <laughs> you were like yeah, uh, yeah. thank you 